This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're stretching our way into episode number 45. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen, and we're going to talk today about exercise during pregnancy. This is going to be another Q&A session, so I'm going to go over a lot of the questions that I've gotten from listeners of the podcast, and some of these are questions that have come from Mama Baby Birthing Students, which are my online childbirth classes. Uh, If you haven't seen those, you can check them out at mamababybirthing.com. That's M-A-M-A babybirthing.com. And I... I think that outside of diet, which is what we did the last Q&A session on, the most questions that I get about pregnancy are exercise questions. So I'm really looking forward to going over these because I think that it will really help you because it's a common question that mamas get. I do want to thank everybody for bearing with me. I meant to get this episode out last week, but my family was really sick, including me. So I've managed to catch up on everything from last week except the podcast, and I'm really excited to be doing that this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started, and we're going to start with perhaps, maybe it's not the biggest, maybe the one that I'll do next is the biggest, or maybe they're equal, <laughs> but one question that I really get a lot these days is, Is there anything I can do in pregnancy for a diastasis? Or is there anything I can do to prevent a diastasis? This question is really indicative of the times because several years ago when I first discovered that I had a diastasis, there wasn't really a lot of information to be had. It just wasn't known. And you actually may not know what a diastasis is. What it is, is you have uh, sets of muscles running down the front of your abdomen, and they're in vertical lines, and they're attached together by a tissue, and they're, co- they're the recti muscles, which is why a diastasis is actually called a diastasis recti. And what happens during pregnancy, or it can happen if you gain extra weight, or it can, I mean, in little babies and children, this area is naturally not quote-unquote closed up. And for some people, it never does close properly, or they're doing a lot of physical activity that encourages an opening. But essentially what happens is those muscles spread apart from each other, so there's a gap right over the belly button area where it's just connective tissue there. So there's supposed to be muscles and then the connective tissue is just supposed to be a thin line between them and instead that tissue gets stretched and the muscles get stretched. And pregnancy does it, you can probably figure out why, because your belly is getting pushed out by a baby and those muscles tend to be pushed to the side. It may not happen after your first pregnancy. Some moms do have it happen after their first pregnancy. Many moms, it's only after subsequent pregnancies that they notice it. And it's a big deal. In fact, even if you lose all of your baby weight, that might be responsible for what's called the mummy tummy. So if you've lost all your baby weight and you still have that little pooch of a tummy that makes you look like you, "Eh, is she pregnant or not, kind of look, then that might be a diastasis that's going on there. 
And like I said, when I first discovered that I had a really huge diastasis, they're measured in finger widths. So I had like a four or five finger width diastasis. I mean, the, the size of my hand, that's pretty big. There wasn't tons of information out there, but there was some. And it, that was uh, three years ago now. And so in the past three years, there has been a lot of information and a lot more moms are aware of this. And it's a really good thing. And before I launch into what you can do about it, if you want a more visual explanation of what a diastasis is, on one of the episodes of naturalbirth.tv, I actually, I mean, I don't illustrate it in in the sense of showing it to you, but you can see me and my hands and, and my tummy where I'm showing you what the muscles look like with my hands pretending to be the muscles. So I'll link to that in the show notes because those of you who are really visual, that might help you picture what's going on. But the the answer to the question is, is there anything I can do to prevent diastasis? Or is there anything I can do about diastasis during my pregnancy? The good answer is, yes, there is. When you are pregnant, many of the exercises that you would do to take care of a diastasis when you're not pregnant can be done safely. I recommend that you use Julie Tupler's program, which is the Lose Your Mummy Tummy program. And she has a DVD and a splint, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. Uh, but her, And she also has a book, and the book is good too. But this, the DVD is really helpful because, you know, you're getting that visual instruction. So that's the program that I used. And Julie's program is meant to be done over about 18 weeks to take you from a diastasis of whatever size to those muscles being closed again. Some of the exercises as you advance in the weeks you may not want to do during pregnancy because some of them are backlying exercises and you may not feel comfortable with that. But most of the early exercises you can do safely during your pregnancy and certainly postpartum. Now again, I used Julie's program. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. That's why I recommend her program. But another program that a lot of my students have used is fit to be and that's literally fit f-i-t and then the number two fit to be b-e and they have theirs their courses are like online streaming kind of classes and they have a good focus on diastasis that i know that a lot of my students and a lot of other moms that i know have had good success with i haven't used their program i haven't even reviewed it so i can't give a personal recommendation but I can, I can fairly confidently recommend it just because I know a lot of students who have gotten a lot of good use out of it. Now, you can go and study the core exercises. Like I know Julie's Tupler technique. You can find magazine articles and, and archives of magazine articles and things like that online. And you can just do the basic exercises throughout your pregnancy without a program. But the benefit of a program is, especially if you have a large diastasis, it gives you a set routine to follow every day. And another nice thing about at least the the pregnancy safe ones, the ones that don't require you lying on your back, those exercises are all exercises that you can do fairly discreetly and fit in throughout your day. So while you're sitting typing at the computer or if you're postpartum right now and you're nursing your baby, you can do it while you're nursing your baby. So I like the exercises for that reason and I find that the routine is fairly easy to keep up with. I know some moms say that they just can't keep up with it 
And maybe it's because I was in incredible amounts of pain. But to me, it was either do these exercises, get out of pain, or continue to be in pain, possibly face this in another pregnancy, possibly face surgery down the line. And those just weren't alternatives that were appealing to me. So I was motivated to follow the program. And I think that the program is motivating. It's motivating to be able to check the little boxes. And at least Julie's program has little boxes for you to check. Um, But enough about the program. So I mentioned them because really, I think that if you have a diastasis, that's where you want to go. You want to go to Julie or to Fit2B or to somebody who is an expert on this. And I'll link to Julie has a personal trainer named Bonnie. And her blog is called Beautiful After the Belly, I think. And I love Bonnie's blog. I'll definitely link to that because she, Bonnie, she teaches the Tupler technique, but she does a lot of case studies on her blog. And so you see a lot of postpartum mamas, but she also features pregnant mamas too. So it's really nice and encouraging to look at. Um, and, And I just, I think that's the way to go. If you've got a diastasis or you're concerned about it, is look to somebody like Julie or fit to be or, or at least read through Bonnie's blog to get an idea of what they recommend to do because they're the experts. They're the women who have studied this to help other women like you and me. And I would recommend that you incorporate those exercises into your routine throughout pregnancy. Like I said, Julie's technique, I mean, I'm sitting here doing it right now while I'm recording a podcast, doing her core elevator exercise. And you can do that every day. I try and remember to do it. I'm not as good about remembering to do it when I don't have a nursing baby because I usually do it when I'm nursing my baby. Um, But I try and remember to do it when I'm in the car driving somewhere. We don't go out tons, but anytime we drive, you know, I try and think about it and do it. And you can just, you can set markers for yourself where you remember to do those exercises throughout your pregnancy. And that's giving those muscles strength and reinforcement for what they need to be doing throughout your pregnancy. It's continuing to work them, continuing to pull them together back into the place where they're supposed to be, continuing to strengthen them. And it's basically, I mean, it's just like giving your baby a hug. So your baby's just getting little squeezes and hugs. And unless you have a super irritable uterus or notice that it's causing Braxton Hicks or something, you can just do it throughout pregnancy. Now, some moms that ask me, should I splint throughout pregnancy? And at least Julie's program does recommend splinting. A splint is not a corset. So the point of it, it's not shapewear. It's not meant to just make your tummy look trim. You have to put on the splint in a certain way, and it's not the most comfortable thing to wear ever, but it it has a purpose. So it's, you know, it's one of those medical devices, really. But what it does is you put it on in a certain way and it actually pulls the muscles back together and then holds them in place. And it increases the effectiveness of the exercises. It increases the ability for the muscles to strengthen, but it also gives that connective tissue that's being pulled taut. It gives that connective tissue a rest. And Julie says that it is totally safe to splint throughout pregnancy up until, you know, second trimester, late second trimester, early third trimester. Most moms will get to a point where they just don't feel comfortable splinting anymore. But up until that point, it's completely safe to splint. And in many cultures, women did belly binding throughout pregnancy using rebozo scarves or that sort of thing. 
And so splinting is actually pretty similar to that traditional practice. So it's totally safe, and Julie recommends that you do it up until it's no longer comfortable at all for you to wear the splint. And I know that, I think it was on Bonnie's blog, there was a mom who was in a case study, and she wore the splint right up until her third trimester. And I think, if I remember correctly, that she actually managed to heal her diastasis while she was pregnant. And that, I mean, that's pretty awesome. So that's encouragement for you and for me to know that if you're pregnant, you can do something about a diastasis. And yes, you can splint. Before we leave the topic of diastasis to get on to the next super huge pregnancy question, I want to give uh, some warnings. So it's not just what you do and if you choose to wear a splint, but it's also what you don't do. And this is another reason why looking at a program is good because they will cover things that you shouldn't do. Like you do not want to jackknife up out of the bed. And when you're super pregnant, it's hard to do that anyways. You kind of have to roll to get yourself out of bed anyways. But the temptation for us is to just, you know, sit bolt upright in bed. That's jackknifing up out of bed. And that puts a lot of stress on the muscles. There are other things that put stress on the muscles, like even being in a hands and knees position, so some yoga poses. Now, for me personally, those yoga poses, like uh, the cat pose and the dog pose and where you're spiraling your hips on your hands and knees, those always feel really good to me in pregnancy, and I think they're good to help with baby positioning. But if you have a massive diastasis, you may not want to do those. Or if you're really worried about diastasis, you may not want to do those. Or what I choose to do is I only choose to do those a couple times a week. So I'm not doing them every day like I did in previous pregnancies where I didn't have to worry about a diastasis so much. So when I'm pregnant, and my last couple pregnancies with Corwin, especially because I had closed up my diastasis before I got pregnant with Corwin, but I choose to do them only a couple times a week and then stick to things like belly dance and the yoga poses that don't put that sort of stress on the belly muscles uh, on the other days of the week. Now, there there are other exercises and things like sit-ups. You should never do sit-ups, ladies. Don't do sit-ups. Banish from your mind the thought that sit-ups are a good core exercise because they're not. They cause strain and separation on those muscles. Um, so it's it's good to look up, and you can probably look it up too, you know, what exercises will aggravate or exacerbate a diastasis. So you want to do the exercises that strengthen those core tummy muscles. You may want to splint, and you want to avoid movements and exercises that may exacerbate a diastasis. Okay, let's move on because I want to try not to go over time on this podcast episode. I know I went super long with the last one. So the other huge question that I get, aside from what can I do about a diastasis or prevent a diastasis during pregnancy, is what can I do during pregnancy? What exercises will help get me ready for birth? The truth is that really any exercise routine is going to help you get ready for birth. Birth is an athletic event. It makes us cringe to think that birth is an athletic event because then it seems intimidating to those of us like me. I'm pointing fingers at me who are totally not really athletes. Some of you ladies are out running marathons and you're winning with your team and you're climbing mountains and all of that. And I'm t- I, that is not me. So you're not phased when I say birth is an athletic event, but other mamas are. And... 
but the truth of the matter is, is it is an athletic event, but it only takes a little bit of time. When you look at it, you know, maybe one day, two days for some of us phenomenal mamas, maybe three days, but it it's a finite period of time in your life. And it's not constant. It's not like you're running a, a marathon or doing an Ironman or I guess an Iron Woman triathlon quite th- thing where you're going, 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 going. You do tend to get a rest, though sometimes, especially at the end, it can feel relentless. But what you do during your pregnancy can help you prepare for that. And it doesn't take tons, but it is good to apply conscious effort to what you do to prepare. The number one big thing that I recommend for every pregnant mom is that you walk. You need to walk. And this is, it's good for so many reasons because it helps build your endurance levels. It gets your blood and your lymph moving. It's good for your circulatory system. It's good for your emotional well-being. If you have any sort of pain during pregnancy, like when I'm pregnant, I tend to have a lot of hip pain. And if I haven't walked every day, then it starts to get really, really bad. It's much better if I walk. So whenever I'm pregnant, I know that I need to walk. But it just helps on so many levels for so many reasons. Ideally... When you walk during pregnancy, you either walk barefoot or you walk in some sort of barefoot shoe. So something as simple as moccasins or another type of shoe that really molds to your foot and simulates walking barefoot. And then if possible, you walk on natural ground. So even if you're in a neighborhood or at the park, if you can walk on the grass or if you can get out into the woods and walk along a trail or walk through the meadows or something like that where you're on natural ground and your feet are as natural as possible. The reason why this is optimal is because it it facilitates optimal alignment of your body. And you want to lead with your heels so you're not walking on tiptoes. All of that lines your pelvis up in the right way. And that has benefits, again, for you with pain. Of course, it has all the benefits of walking. And I'm not talking even about power walking here, ladies. Just walk at a comfortable pace. Amble some if you want to. Go faster when you want to. Not power walking. Just walking. Um, But it also, in addition to the benefits for you, that walking helps line your baby up. So as you're getting farther along in your pregnancy and you are thinking about optimal, optimal fetal positioning would be the technical term for it, but baby positioning, when you're thinking about wanting your baby to be in a good position, that walking is a really good thing to do. Uh, I'll link to some resources. Katie Bowman is, I always have trouble saying this, she's a biomechanist, biomechanics is her field of study with a strong emphasis on women and how women work in a biomechanical fashion. And she's written a lot about this. And then also Esther Gilclay's resources are very good. So those are two things that I will link to you about the walking. And they they talk about proper alignment, proper posture. Katie especially has information on pregnancy. And that can help you with pain. And it's also it's something that's good to focus on when you're walking. Because it gets you lined up, gets baby lined up, is a great way to get ready for birth. Other than that, my general advice to mamas wondering what can I do to get ready for birth is pick exercises that focus on 
on breathing and on body awareness. I think that prenatal yoga or some other similar kind of maybe not meditative, but it is in a sense. But another exercise routine, I think one of my students said Tai Chi, that would probably be good too. Something like that, where you're focusing on your breath and on the movement of your body and you're just coming to understand yourself more. How you move, how you work, how you stretch. And while you're doing it, your exercise instructor or your DVD or whatever you're using may not mention this, but while you're doing it, also pay attention to this pose makes me feel super open, like in the pelvic region. Or this pose makes me feel super closed, again in the pelvic region, because you're about to have a baby and he or she is going to come out down there. So coming to understand positions that feel good to you, positions that increase relaxation, positions that increase tension, positions that cause the pelvic region to feel more open, that awareness all helps build up for your birth. And so it's a really good thing to do. So that I always recommend that. And then I know that there are a lot of moms who like to get up and move. And my first recommendation for them, just because it's what I like to do when I'm pregnant, is prenatal belly dance, which gets you moving a bit, gets your heart beating, makes you happy, it's joyful. And you're also doing tons of spiraling, which is a very instinctive thing for birthing women to do. So you're learning to facilitate that. And again, you're working with your pelvis. Um, and my, that's my favorite recommendation for, for a prenatal exercise that gets you moving. But if that's not your style, what I generally recommend to my students is to go somewhere like amazon.com or a bookseller in your country that has lots of reviews on their prenatal exercise DVDs. Read the reviews for various DVDs and what those women say, and it will help you find one that suits your personal style. Then you can get a DVD, you can pop it in, you can work with that a few times a week, get your heart pumping, get your body moving. Usually those instructors encourage you to focus some on bonding with baby, which is always nice. So that's a really good way to get started with prenatal exercise. And of course, you can take a class in your area, which helps you get to know other moms. And an instructor can be super motivating. So if that's something that appeals to you and fits your schedule, that's definitely an option. So those are what I recommend to get ready for birth. Really is the the breathing, the the understanding my body exercises, and the walking. And then other exercises are just kind of icing on the cake to help you feel good. Like I said, I like the belly dance because it really encourages that instinctual spiraling movement. Okay, I want to move on so I can get to a couple other questions. Another question that I commonly get is, I'm super fit. I do a lot of exercise already. I really enjoy my routine. Is it safe to keep it up? In general, it is safe to continue your routine, especially in early pregnancy. And if you can keep up a routine throughout early pregnancy, it often helps you feel really good. It helps you avoid morning sickness and fatigue and all of that sort of thing. So keep it up. The The things to think about are when you start getting farther along. There are a couple major things to think about, maybe three. The first is your balance. Your, your center of balance, center of gravity is going to shift as you get pregnant. So always be aware of that. 
The second thing to think about is that your body is going to produce hormones that soften your joints. Relaxin is the primary hormone. And what relaxin does is it, it literally softens the cartilage and joints in your body because it's loosening everything up in your pelvis. Your pelvis isn't one solid bony mass. It's actually connected by cartilage and there's ligaments and everything else that are attached to it. So it softens up so that it can literally spread to help your baby come through you. And what happens is a lot of women feel great doing a lot of bouncy, high-impact stuff during pregnancy. But then once they're finished being pregnant and the body restores hormonal balance, which happens pretty rapidly after pregnancy they all of a sudden are in a lot of pain because they realize that they overstretched themselves without being aware of it. So that relaxin does come on board and really be aware of your joints. And you may, if you're doing lots of bouncy stuff like tennis or really high impact things like, you know, you're jumping up and down on the boxes and CrossFit or you're doing a lot with heavy weights, be aware of your joints and you may want to seriously consider toning that down just so that you avoid doing any sort of damage during your pregnancy. The other thing to think about is calories. If you are very active during your pregnancy, you need more calories. Exercise during pregnancy is never for weight loss or weight control. Never. And if you're doing intense amounts of exercise, you need more calories than a sedentary woman. Because as a baseline, you want about 2,300 to 2,600 calories a day if you're expecting one baby. Way more than that if you're expecting multiples. So if you're doing a lot of exercise, you need to get that base level calories plus you need a few hundred extra calories to compensate for the exercise so that that base level of calories is there to nourish your baby, expand your blood supply, everything that we talked about in last week's Q&A. So do be aware of that. And we have time for one more question, I think. So the other big question that I tend to get is how do I fit in exercise if I'm exhausted or if I'm super busy? My biggest piece of advice for that is make time for it and be intentional about it because there will always be something that comes up. This is true in my own life. When I'm pregnant, if I don't say, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take 10 or 20 minutes to to, to, to dance with my belly dance or I'm going to do my prenatal yoga or I'm going to take 15 minutes to walk the trail around our property or our, our neighborhood, then it doesn't happen. So you have to look at your day and say, where can I take 10 minutes for a walk? Where can I take 20 minutes for prenatal yoga? And I would recommend that you snitch 10 minutes for a walk in the morning and in the evening, if at all possible. But it, even if you have a super busy day where you got to get the kids off to school and then you're at to, off to the office and then you get home and you got to get supper on the table, well, find some way during that busy day either at lunchtime or when you get home after you've had supper, maybe you're able to take a quick evening walk before it's time to start the bedtime routine with everybody. Find a way to take a walk. And if you're at home taking care of your toddler during the day, go out and take your walk with your toddler. And yes, a toddler-paced walk 
counts as a walk, but find some way to fit that in and then work really hard at least a few days a week to find time to fit something else in. And I've never personally been able to achieve that ideal one hour exercise every day. It just is not a reality for me with a big family. So I totally understand that. But I can generally find 10 or 20 minutes when I can fit it in. And if you've got little kids around you, then they often love to come in. They love to do what the instructor on the TV is doing. Or if you've got your routine memorized and you're just doing it, they'll love to roll around on the floor and kind of pretend to do what you're doing. So you can have your little ones around you. Now, when I'm pregnant, I like to do my routines in the bedroom because I don't like to be stared at by my big kids anymore. I guess I'm kind of shy like that, but it's still fun to have my little kids around with me. And I leave the bedroom door open, so I guess the big kids could stand there and gawk at me if they wanted to, but they don't. But, you know, because for me, I'm more comfortable letting go, so to speak, and enjoying the routine in the bedroom. That's what I do when I'm pregnant. So do that. And sometimes I'll another thing is I feel kind of nervous doing it around my husband if he's home he'd probably laugh if he listens to this podcast but so I usually try and do it before he gets home but you know even if I had to I would just laugh and do it while he was there with me or pick on him and tell him that he needs to to get up and do something too but anyways what I'm saying is just fit it in and if you're really tired in the first trimester super exhausted and all you can manage is a walk to the mailbox We'll start with that. Or what I usually do when I'm pregnant because I'm not really vigilant about exercise when I'm not pregnant is I'll work up to my routine. So if I have a prenatal yoga routine, I'll do like the first few poses on for the first few days. And then I'll add in a couple more poses until over time I've built up to the full routine or the amount of routine that I'm able to fit into my little uh, secreted moments during the day. So don't feel like you have to go out and be as peppy and bouncy as your instructor on the DVD or even in the class right away. Do what you can do. Do what you're comfortable with. Don't push yourself too hard. Often we like to push ourselves a little so we feel that heart rate going, but never push yourself too hard. Just do it at the pace that you feel comfortable doing it. And that's what's best for you. That's what's going to get you going. That's what's going to get you moving. So don't pick some pie in the sky ideal. Just do what you can with what you have right now. And do make that commitment. Make that time every day to at least walk. And maybe a couple times a week find 20 minutes here and there to fit something else in. But you'll find that it's that consistency and that commitment over time that helps you feel your best during pregnancy and helps you build up to that wonderful birth experience that you want for your baby. Okay, we're going to do some more Q&A sessions in the coming months. I also have some possibilities for some guest interviews coming up on the podcast, which is exciting. But So they may be peppered in with the Q&A sessions. But I have a few more topics that we're going to do Q&A on. I think next we're going to talk about birth prep, which is definitely my super favorite. Um, but if you're interested in... In getting more information about preparing for birth or if you're interested in my birthing classes or I also do a live series of pregnancy classes that I'm going to run one more time this year. If you're interested in getting more information on any of that or just getting my guide on how to start preparing for your baby's birth, that's a free guide, head over to trustbirth101.com. That's trustbirth 
1-800-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-